There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Spurs in full cry Okay, so we had uh, a question from Adam Joes. I think it's Joes. Uh, he says, I was playing FIFA and managing academy players for loaning, selling and promotion is his favourite part of the game. He said, I wonder what you guys think goes into the decision of when an academy player is ready, ready to be promoted. I'm sure it's positionally specific, but it's clearly exceptional traits or a set of traits, confidence or comfort at current level, dominance of uh, lower competitions, a lack of specific negative traits, physical attributes, etc, etc. With this template in mind, how do Spurs Academy players look, particularly thinking of readiness to contribute? Um, I obviously have an interest in this, and I've got a lot to say. Uh, and I've actually gone through and looked at how five players from our academy were integrated. Buddy, do you have any specific thoughts about what might what the signs might be that an academy player is ready to play? I think I think for a lot of them, it's it's they need a slice of good luck. So if you look across our kind of graduates that have made something of themselves, so Mason, Ben Tillen for that uh, short period of time, Harry Kane, Tanganga, I think they've been able to be almost ready and and lucky to have that opportunity to play. And then it's a question, obviously, obviously of talent and everything else to back them up. But I think, unfortunately, I think a lot of it does come down to luck, especially when your managers aren't so kind of risk avert, when they don't really want to promote youth, youth players. Mm, mm. Nathan, how about you? Any initial thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think that like, yeah, what Vardy has said is luck plays like... You you get into sort of um the uh you know pre promotion situation. You get into like standby. You get to a couple of bench mm. appearances, and then it stops there. And you have to like if you know the player in front of you has to get injured or suspended, or two players have to get injured and suspended, or there has to be some sort of crisis that allows you to break through to actually getting minutes if we look at pretty much all of these players. Um, and for me, that doesn't point to a particularly good system if it's based on, mm. on luck. Like Gareth Bale, if we remember, like only like was out of the team, was not getting minutes, and then Aso Kosu was injured for a long time and Bale got a run of games that allowed him to establish himself in the team. Like, what if that never happened? Absolutely. No, I, I fully agree. And I think our strategy in developing young players in fact not developing young players in uh, bringing through young players needs some serious work and but, sorry go on buddy but this is this is um this is a problem that is unique to the top five or six teams in england that's fair that that ben foden for example at manchester city had he Phil had foden. he been so <laughs> ben. ben who's ben 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 foden is ben fogel ben fogel <laughs> anyway <laughs> he's a posh twat yeah Okay, had he been playing low, lower down the division, he would have more minutes. And I think it is a problem with the top teams. Yep. They, the the opening doesn't happen. And as Nathan says, when you're when when you when your game is based so much on stats and science and everything else, it's ridiculous that you have to rely on luck for these young players to progress. And I'm sure as you go through your list of players, when we could all point to a moment where they just needed something to break their way for those minutes to come and and for them to play, then perhaps um, on a Walker Peters would have gone on to be good players for Tottenham. 
Right, yeah. I, I think there's a simple solution to the, the Foden issue, though, and that is that is loans. Um, City don't need to have kept Foden around for the limited number of minutes he's had over the last two, three seasons. He could have had two or three seasons of playing at a very good level and, and got loads of experience and now might be a, a prominent player in their first team. Sorry, Nathan, I cut in. You were going to say something. Well, just that whenever you mention Foden, there's the obvious and extremely easy comparison with Sancho, right? Foden yeah. and Sancho, the same age and the same youth team, playing for the England under-17s, won the England uh, the under-17 World Cup together, and then Sancho went to Dortmund, where he'd been bought a month earlier, and tore things up, and Foden is still a sort of bench-riding, promising young player. Sancho's going to transfer for hundreds of millions of pounds. Right, yeah. Dortmund are like, okay, I, I accept Buddy's point of, like, it's it's we're at the very top of football, and therefore it's harder for academy players to break through, but, like, Dortmund are, like, not a small-time outfit. Like, they're not a dramatic step down from City whereby they can't possibly you know um where they where where a 17 year old turns up and, and just is immediately um gonna gonna dominate their team they 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 gave him chances they gave him time they they you know he wasn't starting right immediately he was playing 45 minutes here 20 minutes there and he earned his place by by performing in those minutes but he was mm. given those minutes and not just like spread out over an entire season but he was given you know some minutes most weeks as he as he built his place in the team and I think that it was certainly possible for Foden to have done exactly the same as City even though they have an embarrassment of talent yeah no you're right it's it's often about faith and about opportunity and uh I mean Tanganga is is the first person on my list to talk about and he's not let us down. He, this is the thing. Very few uh, of, the, of the best youth players. Let, let me caveat this. I'm not saying that we should be throwing in players like, I don't know, Will Miller or Cy Goddard, who, who went on to, to not be anywhere near good enough to play Premier League football. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the top sort of 10% of your, your intake, your academy players, uh, will not let you down. So Tanganga uh, got thrown in completely unexpectedly against Liverpool and he was great I mean he's one of our best players in that game he's he's had a couple of games where he's been not so perfect but um he's also had some very good games and we've now got a player whose value is probably four five times what it was when he hadn't played at all um and let's not forget with Tanganga that he only got a chance in pre-season due to injuries to Mm. John Dinsey who is going to be released at the end of the season and is dare I say rubbish uh and TJ who is on loan at Lincoln City now. Uh, so Tanganga was ahead of them in the pecking order. Nothing happens during his development to maintain um, the, the kind of... He basically came out of the under-18s a really good player and then that upward trajectory just tailed off. And what you find then is that the the players behind you who then come out of the under-18s um, looking good overtake the ones who stagnated. And that's so wrong. We're not we're not harnessing the, um, the talent available. And one of the problems with Tanganga is that he was never allowed out on loan so I know that he wanted to go out on loan his agency wanted to send him out on loan and the club didn't want that to happen for some reason uh, the same with Oliver Skip so he's next in my list it's been a very slow stop start development for Skip he played 402 minutes for our first team in 1819. no minutes at all for any of our youth teams which is odd not allowed out on loan this year he's played under 300 minutes but he has played uh, some, some minutes for the for the youth team uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not happy with how Skip's been developed. I think he's one that could easily have been out on loan in the Championship or maybe even a lower Premier League club yeah. this year. Uh, and again, we'd be able to benefit from, from that next season and from the increase in value if we don't think he's good enough. Um, one that stands out as slightly different is Harry Winks. So Winks, and I can't remember when I first heard this, but I heard at quite an early stage, I think he was 16 at the time, that Winks was training up with the first team. He was absolutely tiny at that point he there was nothing nothing to him really little guy uh playing number obviously 10. seen playing number 10 yeah 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 he was playing higher or certainly more box to box than he's become um and he just kind of they spotted something in winks and and moved him up to the first team squad really early and he didn't play he didn't um get games so he made his europa league debut in 1415 just a handful of minutes he played a good number of under 21 minutes that season 1516 he got 17 minutes in the europa league and he played a few less games in the under-21s. And then the next season, he broke through. So we kind of 
stuck with him. We we uh, we got him integrated into the first team picture, and obviously he showed some personality, as the the coaches like to mm-hmm. like to say. They like to sort of they like to talk about the sort of the mental intangible aspects of um, a young player, and say yes, he's you know he's stamping his authority in training. He's 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 shown that he's as good as the uh, first team players, which I I find troubling to be honest. But that Winks does stand out. Um, did that did that ever occur to you, Nathan, as unusual Winks's development? No, because I don't think I had that strong a sort of lens on on what was going on. So he, yeah, I remember the Europa League debut. He came off the bench at the same time as Onoma, I think, or within a few minutes of Onoma, and they they both were making their. Is that right? I Have think I... you're right. Yeah, okay. I think you're they right. They came up, yeah, and it was sort of hit. It was like because at that time it was that was when Pochino's sort of um, legacy as a promoter of young players was was really being cemented because yeah. Kane had broken through and everything and Mason and Townsend and so on okay those players didn't get their debut minutes but you get the point and then it was like and here's the next batch and it's yeah. <laughs> like and it was Winks and Onoma getting their their first taste of minutes so um I I remember writing a blog for the Fighting Cock blog saying uh in 2016 2017 maybe that like it was time for Winks to replace Musa Dembele. Wow. Um which is an article that got some negative feedback as you can imagine but it was it was <laughs> that it it was less about Winks who I was definitely excited about and I think that hasn't fulfilled on the excitement as much as I had for him uh, has certainly turned out to be a Premier League level player regardless um but it was more just sort of Musa Dembele is clearly physically deteriorating and there doesn't seem to be mm. any kind of mitigation plan for that um, we're still struggling to replace him now yeah yeah that's fair um Bardi, the other thing I remember about Winx's development is that we would bring him on in games where there was still some meaning to the game. So that it, it wasn't like we were 3-0 uh-huh. up and uh, the game was over and we were just giving players minutes just to sort of say, see how you do. Winx was brought on to almost cl- help close out games with his possession style. Did, did you, do you have any kind of uh, memories of Winx's first few matches? Um, I think I think the one that always stands out whenever you talk about Winks's start was is the game away at Real Madrid. Oh god, it was where, so good. Yeah, yeah. Well, up up against an incredibly like star-studded midfield, he he more than held his own. I I like Winks. I don't think Winks is going to be a hugely influential player on our first eleven going forward, but I think he remains an integral part of the squad. I like his attitude. I like the way he plays. He keeps the ball and everything else. Um, he's he's not going to be a world beater, but he, you know sometimes every every kitchen needs someone who chops the onions, and I think he's. He's a, he's a useful player to have around. Yeah, he is. You're right. Uh, he's a good egg as well. He's got a good he's head a in his good shoulders. Egg. He's a he's, he's he's just a good a good lad to have around the place. Yeah. Um. But he 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 just comes off as a really smart, knowledgeable footballer. Um. And I th- I think that's I, th- I do think that's quite important. I I, I mm. definitely agree with Nathan that he's not become what we hoped. No. And he's not pressed on as much as we hoped, but. To develop a player of the caliber of Winks is is absolutely no bad thing. It's, he's he's a very solid Premier League player that most clubs would love to have in their teams, and um, and you know counts towards our homegrown quota too. So there's that. Another player I'd like to talk about is Onoma, and a lot of people will sigh at this point and uh, think that I was weirdly obsessed with a player who's not who who was nothing, and the fact that he's at Fulham now proves that to be the case. Um, so I, I think Onoma, along with Walker Peters, was the most mismanaged of all of our youth players. So Onoma, as a 17-year-old, or perhaps even 16, was wanted by Man City. He was seen as one of the brightest talents in uh, academy football in the country. And that was because he was excellent. He was really good. He was mainly an attacking midfielder, but he'd often play box-to-box too. Um, I think he kind of played attacking midfield because he was he was give, then given freedom to, to run with the ball more. Um, when he played the central midfield role, he was, he was competent, but he didn't get to kind of see him him uh, driving forward so Onoma uh, made his debut in uh, 2014-15 he was brought on for 14 minutes on the right of midfield and he'd at that point mostly played all of his under 21 minutes at attacking uh, midfield or central midfield then in the next season 15-16 he played just over 500 minutes at attacking midfield left midfield central midfield right midfield mostly in the cup when there's like a, a piece together team just to sort of rotate Eight players on mass. He barely played any minutes for the under twenty ones in that season. There was a game against Monaco where he played in a midfield three with Tom Carroll and Eric Dyer against 
uh, Moutinho and Bakayoko, who went on to sign for Chelsea, and we won 4-1. And I remember Onima, as well as Carroll, having very good games. Onima was really impressive in that match. And that was the moment where I think we should have said, OK, yeah. let's, let's carry on developing this midfielder. And that is the kind of player who could, I think, have replaced Moussa Dembele. I, I, was, I was there for that game, and I remember being extremely excited about Onima after that match and what was going to happen next for him. You, you weren't alone. There was a lot of excitement um, for the first time. And then he got cameos on the right, on the left. And it's like, he's not he's not a winger. We're not going to get the best out from playing on a wing. It's not good for his confidence. And some people would, would, would argue, you know, if you're a young player, you've got to take your chance wherever you get it on the pitch. Uh, and and I think I, I think the the onus needs to be on the club to put the player in the best position to have a chance. Uh, then in sixteen seventeen he got under three hundred minutes, mostly in the cup. Barely played for under twenty one, so that's two seasons of barely playing any football. By that point. Um, my faith in, in us developing him had, had waned. He was, however, still in England's uh, re- reckoning in the 2017 FIFA Under-20 World Cup. He played in midfield alongside Lewis Cook. He was excellent. He did get sent off and missed the semi-final, but he was back in for the final against Venezuela. Um, and he was good. I heard some rumours that perhaps he came back from that with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. And that ah. he thought that he thought maybe that's it now. I'm I'm gonna make it. I was one of the stars of this wonderful England team. Uh, I don't know whether that was the case or not. But if it was uh, the case, isn't that reasonable? Yeah. And why not harness that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, it hasn't worked out with him since. He's been on loan in the Championship. He played 1,800 minutes in 1718. He's he's now moved on to Fulham. He's doing he's well at Fulham. Deal. He is. He he got off to a rocky start, but he's won their fans round. I mean, I do. I honestly think that Onimo will become a Premier League player. I think uh, he massively stagnated at Spurs, and it's very difficult to then get back on the upward curve. Um, and given and I, that, I think given that he's that he had that stagnation, that difficult time and he's now one of the championship's better players that does point to the idea that you know he he would have been on course to be a premier league player for sure yeah I, yeah exactly and i i'm not going to say the same about walker peters but i could there were there were many years where he didn't get enough games he was essentially playing more games for his country than he was for his club at any level which is just madness absolute madness and then when he did get chances he was in and out of the team so he came in he was man of the match and he was dropped he came in again he was one of the best players he was dropped um, uh, which, you know, it's not great. And it seems to me that all the comments on Walker Peters from coaches, from Pochettino, from Reno, has been about his personality, that he needs to be more assertive, more vocal. Um, and my argument is, well, you've had this kid at the club since he was 10 years old or whatever, nine years old, I think. Uh, if if you, you, you could have had more control over his development of his personality from a young age, but there we go. Uh, I think, like Bardi said earlier, Walker Peters is done at Spurs. And then we have Kane. So Kane's development was totally different um Kane was managed uh, his development was managed by I believe Les Ferdinand so Ferdinand was in charge of sorting out loans at Spurs along with Sherwood uh Sherwood and Ferdinand would would manage the under 21s and sort out loans and Kane was someone who was sent out on k- crucial loans which didn't always go well but gave him a solid grounding in league one in the championship then the Premier League at Norwich where it didn't really work out he got a metatarsal injury and he got recalled back and he and he went was sent out to Leicester uh, but we gave him opportunities to develop his game develop his um, the physical side of his game so that when he needed to be called upon he was ready however and Bardi made this point that it's often all about luck Kane was uh, so so his breakthrough season was 13-14 he was scoring mm. goals left right and centre in the Premier League 2 which was then it's the under 23 league as it was then he got a back injury but then he came back and he started to make the bench in February we had Soldado and we had Adebayor and Soldado was playing absolutely terribly. He looked like a broken man. But Pochettino was persisting with Soldado game after game. He got injured. He got a hamstring injury. Harry Kane comes in. We beat Sunderland 5-1. Kane gets a golden assist. He then scores three matches in a row. It was a Sherwood, wasn't it? Yeah, that was Sherwood. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm getting my timelines wrong. Sherwood was in charge. Uh, he, He put faith in Kane. And Kane didn't let him down. He was so uh, good in, against Sunderland in that game. I, I, 
people just yeah you sort of fall into the trap there people discuss Kane as as a player that Pochettino brought through but there were, I don't think I was alone in being excited about Kane at the end of that season there after the Sunderland game especially he scored um he scored three goals in five games or something like that oh you can quite mm. note down here Sherwood was an idiot of course he was Obviously. an idiot but uh but we owe him we owe him for Harry Kane big time big time um so Pochettino then joins in May and the season next season starts 2014-15 Harry Kane is a sub Adebayo is starting games and Kane and Soldado are on the bench Kane is getting Europa League matches as a rotation and he's outplaying both of our other strikers and scoring regularly and yet and at the back end of the previous season he's been given a chance he's scored in three matches in a row but because he's a young academy player he's not trusted over these well-paid professional footballers who've who've been at the best clubs in Europe and it's only when uh, he comes on for Adebayor against Villa and scores a deflective free kick that, that things get turned around um, so Bardi is absolutely right that, that young players need luck in the current structures I wonder whether this will change John McDermott is leaving Spurs um, we've got a new coach obviously in, in Mourinho who who has a different philosophy around loans that, than uh, Pochettino has perhaps this will change and I, I hope that uh, one good thing that could come from, from coronavirus is that if play, if clubs are slightly less li- less in, uh, likely to spend money that they trust their, their young prospects because there's a ridiculous amount of untapped talent amongst um, in- English youth academies God I've spoken a lot there um, any closing thoughts Bardi? Uh, yeah I've just touched it on Sherwood it's very easy to make these big gambles when there's not really much at stake Sherwood he threw in he he had to change things he was there for a short term he needed to make an impact he threw Kane in he threw Ben Taleb in and that kind of stuff so it's easy um the one that always he always talks about Peter Taylor when he made David Beckham captain he was just like oh I, I saw I saw what was going to happen there with mm. Beckham no you didn't mate you <laughs> one game you decided to try something to make a name for yourself and it just so happened that you gave it to Beckham who went on to to do good things for England with with Kane it's it's amazing it's it's an amazing story and I think there is a lot of luck involved in there because he had some terrible loan deals but at, he is that guy that when the moment came he, he, he stepped up and even when um, the opportunity came under Pochettino which was a lot further in he, he bided his time he was patient I think it's I think it's a shame what's happened to Onoma Carl Walker-Peters these kind of guys perhaps they needed to leave Spurs earlier and yeah. work their way through a different way sometimes it's not just the club that needs to be brave it's the player Walker-Peters probably had opportunities to leave Spurs but 100%. he signed that he signed that contract which is fair enough He it's, it's his career as well so so he wants stability. Maybe he doesn't want to go play with a load of farmers in in the championship. He wants to hang around the Spurs. No, you're it's, right. Um, you're right. It, yeah. It's the players are so dependent on the advice they get from from agents and from their families. And I, I do think agents like to have players at Premier League clubs. Um, when actually sometimes taking a step down would be the the right thing to then come back up. I mm-hmm. think that's a really good point. I think that's a really it takes bravery. Point. It takes bravery. We've we've, uh, we've mentioned Sancho. It takes a lot of guts to uproot go to another country and try to make it because in football every transfer is a gamble not just for the club but for the player and yeah it's unfortunate but that's that's just way football football is littered with young players who could have been could have been great look through while you were talking I looked through the England under 20 team just to see who was alongside Onomar and Walker Peters and the players in there that we'll never see again but then there are other players who are who are making a name for themselves Mm. yeah yeah no you're quite right Nathan, any closing thoughts from you? Uh, just on Kane, that I remember him getting a start. I think it was against Stoke uh, during his sort of good Europa League run and he performed poorly in that match. I think he wasn't served very well by his teammates. I remember that being like, oh no, we all got it wrong about Kane and he's actually not very uh, good at all. He, and I think work I out. think he plays um, with Soldado. Is that right? right yeah. I've got a feeling that Kane played just behind Soldado. Sure, yeah, that, 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 that would make sense. Wrong. And um and yeah, that was a poor game for him, and that was his first Premier League start under Pochettino, and it looked like it, 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 the hype was to not be believed. And then he went back to Europa League games and carried on scoring in buckets, and then got that sub on against, uh, against Villa. I can't, yeah. I can't remember, but I imagine my Twitter mentions were an absolute mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, so uh, loads more questions. Doran, who is Doz23 on Twitter, he says, What impact, if any, will this virus have on football, in your opinion, from a scale of no impact to football will never be the same again? Um, Bardi, what are your immediate thoughts? I think this might have a significant impact on attendances and people's willingness to, to kind of mix again because I, you, I'm missing the human contact of, of other people. And just, I don't know how people will feel from going, you must be two meters away, you must stay at home, to all of a sudden being in Beavertown at White Hart Lane yeah. where there's people sticking their fingers in your beer and there's huh. people on top of you all the time. I think, I think from a independent social kind of way, it's going to have a huge impact on football as a business. I, I think we need to see how long this lasts. But as you says, as you said, sometimes if there is less money going around, perhaps we will see more clever coaching, better work on better tactical work and, and um, young players will get their opportunities. How about you, Nathan? Do you think um, football finances will recover from this? I mean, eventually, I guess, but I, I think that the impact is going to be significant. I think that, um, I think the world is going to be different. I think that this is going to go on for a lot longer than we're talking about. Or if it doesn't, we're going to open up and then there'll be a um, a, second a second wave. wave. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I think I think we'll be living in a somewhat different world when football, or or maybe they do football in a bubble in three stadiums in the Midlands, and the footballers are <laughs> extracted away from their families. Um, whatever, that that's kind of absurd. But I think it'll be significant, and I think that the financial ramifications will be going on for a long time and I think that furloughing staff will be something that um, either will be taken out of chairman's hands or certainly should be and the clubs a lot of clubs will maybe not Tottenham level clubs but I think a lot of clubs will go under in the near future mm, that's a sad a very sad prospect isn't it sorry but it, it just um it kind of shows that it shows that the the structure of um, our our national sport is not right. If if clubs are going to go under because of something like this, where there's so much money at the top, there should be buff. There should be a buffer in place, and maybe it will be an opportunity to to change the structure, to create a buffer, to protect some of those clubs that serve their communities so well. I hope so. I don't know. Right, I think I might need my uh, change of pace siren for this <laughs> one, uh, but I haven't got it handy, so I'll just... Uh, 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 <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, so, Sai, who is actual Sai, says, what are you having for dinner? Nathan, what, what's on the menu for you tonight? Uh, I don't know about tonight. Uh, we just had a, a delivery, which is such a relief in these circumstances. Um, but on Tuesday night, I have dinner with my friends, my friends who live down in Brighton, and um, we, we get on Skype together, and we have dinner at the same time and they they live around the corner from an asian supermarket and it's empty people are <laughs> racistly not going to the asian supermarket wow. right even though the virus is here right it's <laughs> like the tesco is considerably more dangerous because there's more people in it than the the specialist asian supermarket but they are happily taking advantage of that right they don't have to go far they don't have to come across other people they go to this shop they know that when they go to the shop they're help, helping a local business stay in business under difficult circumstances <laughs> so they are eating entirely uh asian mainly japanese food at the moment and when this died out it was before that and we were doing a what are you guys having for dinner tonight oh you we're having a pasta-based meal. I'll cook a based pasta meal, right? That sort of thing. Being a bit cute with it. And now they're exclusively eating Japanese food. So oh. I'm every Tuesday I'm having to sort of rummage around the cupboards uh, based on what I'm getting delivered, which is difficult, and try to scrape together.
together, you know, pork and rice with, with sauces. But I have a, I have a, a stomach issue at the moment where I'm reacting really horrifically to like even the most mild of spices. So it's difficult, but it's a sort of a fun activity. So Tuesday dinners are, are a, a sort of a fun social activity that I'm doing at the moment. Nice. Get your sushi mat out. That's it. Buddy, how about you? What are you having for dinner? Um, I might try, I'm going to go into the kitchen after this and have a fiddle around and try and make a deep pan pizza. Um, I've been on a quest to try and find some flour to make my own sourdough, but um, I can't find flour anywhere. So I've managed to get hold of some self-raising flour. So I'm going to go in the kitchen and bash around some dough and see what comes out. If that's rubbish, um, I've been relying heavily on Gusto. So I'm going to open up my fresh delivery from Gusto and see what's inside. Nice. Everyone's making bread. That's where the flour's gone. It's it's insane. I, I want to make my little own live yeast and then feed it olives and then <laughs> split it, make another one and feed it bits and bobs just to see what flavours it takes hold of. But I can't find flour anywhere. Yeah, definitely a shortage on bread flour. I, I managed to get some because my girlfriend had some in her cupboard. So I'm going to be making some bread this week. Uh, I've got some steak in the fridge in in the fridge at the moment. Um, it looks really good. So I'm going to do sirloin steak with bearnaise butter and i'm going to make some cubed roast potatoes i think to go with that and some tender stem broccoli oh i've been really enjoying tender stem broccoli recently i'm on a big tender stem sort of (laughs) vibe at the moment al dente i assume yeah yeah uh no 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 sorry i uh i have a lot of things al dente but my broccoli i i cook beyond recognition much to the right okay (laughs) yeah much to to the ire of others but that's how i like my broccoli (laughs) I like I like broccoli with a grit of crunch to it. It's good. Uh, size other question is what's more important, finishing this season or starting the next one in time to finish for the rescheduled Euros? Um, that's a really difficult question to answer. Bardi, have you got a solution? I don't have an answer for that. I think probably I, I'm part of me wants part of me wants to see the Premier League burn from last season. <laughs> so let's. Just, I, I really want to just see what happens. I think the fallout if we just null and void last season yeah. would be great. So I'm going to say we should just. Uh, kill it off and start again and Nathan how about you uh, okay to to not be a Spurs fan about it the most sensible thing would be to end the season as it is now as everyone is stood and therefore we don't qualify for even Europa League football I don't think um Liverpool were awarded the win. Uh, certain teams are, are are relegated, and and they may feel very hard done by by that. I'm I'm, I'm very sympathetic, but I think that we can't. Again, this is going to go on a lot longer than people are discussing than 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 health officials or government ministers are comfortable discussing because people will not accept it and then not abide by it. Um, but we're not going to see football for months and months and months and months. Are we really going to carry on this season from that standpoint? I think that we we end this season as it is placed. Um, and then only when it is safe to do so do we look at worrying about when the Euros have been rescheduled for. Maybe they have to be rescheduled for another year after that or whatever. I don't think we're going to... like. There's no point in waiting around for a September or an August to be, get a normal Premier League season started. In. We just we just wait until it's ready. And I don't think there's much point in trying to plan it out now because they'll you'll only have to scrap them again. So the Euros is interesting because I, I can't even begin to imagine the amount of planning that must go into an event like that. Mm. Um, and try move moving that would just be a complete nightmare debacle. Um, I mean, I think personally that we we we're kind of too uh, tied to the football league calendar uh, in our thinking about this. And yeah. actually, you're right that this is going to go on for a long, long time. So why don't we just plan three years ahead and knock three seasons back a bit to squeeze in the end of this one? I, I think it's more important to finish the season personally. Okay. Uh, and I, if that meant that the next two seasons are, or three seasons are then adjusted to compensate for that then I'm I'm all for it you know why not I, I think and then maybe in three years time you get back to a point where we're starting at roughly the right time but the only impact of course with that is the transfer windows but why can't we move a transfer window you know there's no yeah there's no obvious to me it doesn't seem like an obvious reason why are we currently we still move... meant to be going ahead with the windows as they are even though the seasons are paused or scrapped or unknown is that uh, as far as I'm aware there's been no announcement on the transfer window yeah, nice. so I presume they're kind of thinking about these things. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm all for just shifting everything back. And of course, the Qatar World Cup is going to come around in a winter in the near future, yeah. anyway. So sort of so like everything's already about to be thrown all over the place. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully yeah, that so, gets scrapped now. Yeah, it would be nice, wouldn't it? 
Um, okay, so many more questions. We'll plough through. Anthony Kennedy says, if we buy a goalkeeper, who should it be? Bardi, you love talking about goalkeepers, and <laughs> uh, I know you like Anana. Yeah. Oh. Is he is he your first choice? I I think so. It's goalkeepers at the moment. Are the the very strange beast. Uh... Like, if you look at Kepa, for example, who was good, young, promising goalkeeper, he he looks terrible. Um, Napoli signed um, Alex Merritt, who was meant to be a good, young goalkeeper. Both of them just remind me of cats. Huh. They're, they're just, just flapping a paw at everything. And I think Onana looks, for me at the moment, I'm sure there are others out there, but I just I just like the way, I just like his style of goalkeeping. Um, I mean, I was shocked that he's six foot three. He looks absolutely tiny, but he's a, he's a big chap. He's um he's he just seems to be all round a bit more stable and I think he's probably ready to come in now as as a starter. But whether we would do that with Hugo Lloris still at the club is I, d- I don't think so. I don't think I don't think Hugo's going anywhere anytime soon. So I don't see a signing Onana unless we sell Hugo. We'll never have both of them at the club at the same time. It just doesn't make any sense to do that. I really like Onana. Do you have any thoughts on Lil's keeper? No, no, I don't. I I've been I've been enjoying. When then Fiorentina went out there and signed Lafont, I was just like, mm, "Yeah, this that's that's a really brave move and interesting to see what happened." But it hasn't quite worked out for him in in Italy. And uh, but I, I think that's a goalkeeper as well to 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 look at. But everybody seems to be moving big and early with goalkeepers, and they're very very expensive. Just because, like Donnarumma, for example, is for example, I'm, I'm still not fully sold on him as being Buffon's future. But he's, you can't buy him now. There's not enough money in the world to mm. buy him. And and if you look at the price goalkeepers move for Pickford, Kepa, um, I'm sure there's someone else that slipped my mind. They're just so expensive that, yeah, they're not very good. It's not it's not great value there at the moment. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, Allison and Edison are the two obvious other examples of, of yeah. high value, but they, they both add so much um, to the team. Yeah, Nathan. Nathan has just slid into my DMs to say Milan have put Donnarumma for sale. He, yes, of course he's for sale. Every player is for sale, but I don't see it's going to take up over a hundred million pounds bid to get him. And I, I, I don't know if anybody has that money now in this climate. Every you know, Milan would sell Milan would sell anybody for money. But um, I, I just, I just don't, I just don't see it happening. Nathan, you do some scouting. You, you communicate with other scouts. Yeah. Are there any kind of under the radar goalkeepers that you like? No, because goalkeepers is is very much um, uh, a blank spot for me. Uh, I I like Anana. I really like Anana, but outside of that, I don't have strong goalkeeper thoughts. I'm not really keeping my eyes open on them. The other goalkeeper I really like, and I'm intrigued to see how this pans out over the next couple of years, because it has to come to a head at some point, is uh, Dean Henderson. Yeah. Uh, the the Manu mm. goalkeeper who's currently on loan at Sheffield United. I think he's had a really, really impressive season for Sheffield. I mean, he was, you know, he, he was good last year as well. Uh, he's been England's under-21 goalkeeper for a while. He's, he's excellent. Really excellent. Um, but De Gea's, the, the rumours linking De Gea with moves away seem to have died down. Whether United will try and manufacture a move for De Gea so that they can then use Henderson as their first choice, I don't know. But that situation will definitely have to come to a head over the next year, 18 months. Um, and if there's a possibility of us getting in there um, while there's uncertainty and getting Henderson, I'd be all for that. He's 23, so he's a, a good age to, to be signing from a goalkeeper. And I really like him. Uh, right, Daniel Sermon says, I've got a question regarding something Nathan touched on in the last pod. I'd love to hear an in-depth discussion about Spurs' scouting. In particular, I'd love to hear about the top three players in each crucial positions we need to sign. Defensive midfield, right back, left back, striker. Maybe even a future replacement for Hugo. Well, we just kind of covered that. Uh, he says, also, any centre-backs you guys like, you'd like to see a sign... And he'd like to hear a bit about their uh, attributes and shortcomings. Now, I don't think we've got time to go through and and do top three in each of those positions. But and actually, frankly, I'm I'm not great these days at identifying possible new players because I'm so out of touch with other leagues. But Bardi, I know you you certainly watch a lot of Italian football and you've got your finger on the pulse with Champions League as well. Uh, is there anyone that you've got your eye on? I've, I've spoken many times about him. Tonali is the player I'd like us to sign. All right, I, I'm I'm not big on Tonali for us. I, I think he's a very good player, obviously, but I think that he is a, a, a misfit for our needs. I think he profiles sort of somewhat like Harry Winks in that his his passing is very strong, um, but I don't think he's he's got the sort of defensive side to his game that that is what we need. 
And Nathan, do you have any players in mind for any of our problem positions? Um, I certainly agree with the the sort of chosen positions that are that are left blank there. I mean, yeah, you you've left me sort of uh, weeks of content there. It's a single question. Uh, mm. Chris Summersell wrote a really good three part. Uh, article on defensive midfielders who we should be looking at um, and I am in pretty much complete agreement those are the same names that that that, that I had um, good reviews on all of them I will will we'll have to link to his article but um yeah he 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 finds you know um, Sangare Grilich uh, Frontino Luis um, Dennis Zakaria um, the whole gang all good players uh, Chris is great by the way yeah definitely definitely look up his stuff and follow him on Twitter he's always got something interesting to say um, right back I would be very disappointed if we didn't sign a young right back from the championship because there's so much yep. potential there uh, left back I think is slightly more problematic um, I wish we'd signed Chilwell four, four years ago. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what we do with, with left back. I'd like to think that Sessegnon will be yeah. our left back and we don't need to worry about it. But I, I do think we'd probably need some competition for him because I don't think Ben Davis is, is quite up to it. And then I do think we need a striker. So it, it, depend, it depends on how we use Parrot, though. I, I get asked about strikers a lot and I always say, well, compared to searching for defensive midfielders or left backs, strikers are so much easier to scout because you can just search by expected goals mm. and they just sort mm. of they they fall right out like that uh, and I I do stand by that as the process but uh, I thought well go on then Nathan why don't you actually fulfill on that and have a look and I did have a look and there's not a lot of good strikers at the moment out no. there uh, certainly not in the, the leagues where I've got statistics available for um, there's there's a bit of a gap um, I've mentioned before I'd like uh, Odson Edouard uh, in Scotland I really like it. Um, but there's not a huge... Oh, uh, okay. If... Uh, bear with me here. <laughs> if we go down the route of saying Parrot is really good, Parrot's going to break through, but we just need to give him some time. Uh, there was some news circulating yesterday that West Ham are putting up all of their players for sale, basically. So I would buy Haller or Haller, whatever. Um, Haller. Haller. And um, just let him fill in as a sort of a, a target man for a season and a half while we bring Parrot through around the edges. Uh, that that news about West Ham intrigued me, and um, I, I I had to think about which West Ham players I would take. There are so few of them, honestly. Their squad's in a mess. It's a they've got there's mess. talent in that squad. It's just that I mean, I it's kind so, of like so. ours, right? In that like there is some talented like attacking players, but it doesn't function as a squad because there's gaping holes. I think. There's lots mm. of untapped potential, but they're risky moves, and often at the wrong age profile as well. So that's true. Felipe Anderson is a really really good player. But he's yeah exactly. Uh, Mikel Antonio is a good player. He's 30. Uh, Lanzini, who I've loved for years, uh, is a very good player. But he's injured. He's now getting yeah. old. Yeah. So you don't, you don't want to sign him. The only mm. player that I would take as a short-term option from West Ham, and I think Allaire is a good shout, by the way. I, I, I think, yeah, why not as a striker? The only other one is Fabianski, who I think is a fantastic underrated goalkeeper. Um, and if, if we needed a goalkeeper for a year or two as a backup, then yeah, all for Fabianski coming in. I mean, I, frankly, I, he's, be- he's been better than the recent oh, Jesus. Uh, Pablo Fornells. Is he good? He's 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 really good, dude. He's he's it, special. I hope that they sell him. <laughs> okay, I've not I've not seen much of him at all. I've not seen much of him at all. I think um, Fabianski is one of those goalkeepers that um, looks good because he's always busy and he does have a lot of saves to make. Um, I think I'd take Issa Diop. I still think he's young enough. I still think he has moments where he looks pretty good. Um, Haller's a good shout. So I think there are a couple of players, a couple of players in there. And Antonio is, I don't know, he's, he's, I can't even believe I'm, I'm saying this, but he's an insane footballer who I think would be an excellent impact sub that we could chuck he, on. He is dynamite. It's hard to, I mean, he's a yeah. real impact player. Uh, he, he always plays well against us as well. Yeah, I think yeah, that that yeah, might just, be where yeah. your basis of being yeah. excited for him might. <laughs> but again, he, like, he's so injury prone. Again, another very, very injury prone player. The, the player we haven't mentioned, of course, uh, is Declan Rice, who most of their yeah. fans will say is their their biggest prospect. I don't rate Rice. He... Um, 
What do you think of him, Nathan? He 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 has <laughs> he's good off the ball defensively. That is where it comes to it. Okay, he's he's really poor in his passing. He I I fully agree. He's he's God. He's like a okay. He's like a parody of fifteen sixteen Eric Dyer. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But he's still better. But he's better than Eric. He's Dyer not. Now. He's not. I still he think just he's he completely ignores any pass if it's forward. He has no <laughs> awareness of his surroundings when he's on the ball. I still would trust him to make an interception or get in the way. At least kind of be like a, a sleeping policeman on, on a counter attack. <laughs> Eric Dyer is a traffic cone that people just wander around. At least Rice might slow them down. I I would rather have I would rather have Rice playing as our holding midfielder than Eric Dyer at the moment. Yeah, I think I probably would too actually, but um I wouldn't want us to sign Declan Rice. Uh, I, I would no. much rather us persist with Oliver Skip than sign Declan Rice yeah. for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, this is an interesting one. This is from Mick, who is Mickey Bobbin or Bobin. Uh, thoughts on how refing could be more consistent? Buddy, any ideas about how to improve the standard of refereeing? Uh, I, I think it's. I think it's got. I don't think this is a, a problem that's going to get fixed quickly. I think referees. It's ridiculous to say this, but referees just need to be better. They need to be trained better. There has to be a way that they move along up to the Premier League because VAR is. I, I'm not against VAR, but I just think the. I, I just think there's there's a problem fundamentally with British referees. I, I mean, obviously, I watch more English football than anything else, but I think their their base decisions are incorrect a lot of the times. And yeah, I. I, I I don't know. I don't know how we fix this. Maybe VAR be it becomes quicker. Maybe we have pitch side monitors to help them. But I, I do think a lot of the time referees are just relying on VAR to get them out of a hole sometimes, and VAR doesn't always do that. Uh, how about you? I Nathan? think much like when Ben Davies was injured, he got better um, in in the perception of fans because he was missing. I think that this is a really good time for VAR that everyone is getting a break for it. But also, as my friend Tiago pointed out the other day. People are going back and watching old games, and if you watch old games without VAR, my goodness, the the calls yep. that are missed, the blazing mm-hmm. penalties that aren't even a discussion point, uh, mm-hmm. the horrific fouls that are just disregarded. Um, I don't know, like obviously, obviously VAR has a lot of issues with it still, um, but I think that it is superior than just one bloke has to be aware of everything that's going on around him, the other side of the pitch. Um, mm-hmm. in finite detail, seeing it once. I, I I, just give VAR more time to iron itself out, I think. And and, and also, we need to do a better job of prioritising the sort of in-stadium fan experience with it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, totally. Nathan's right about watch, when you go back and watch old matches, you're like, how how is that even not... How, why is it not even a foul? Why is that not a penalty? How is he given that? It's it's incredible how much VAR has stopped these has has stopped the problems. But it also right that there needs to be more done for the in in house support in house celebrations. But, but, you know they're, they're, what annoys me the most about people complaining about VAR is like you're taking away my celebration. No, because if it's if it's the right decision, you get tw- you get tw- two celebrations. Yeah. If it's the wrong decision, you shouldn't have been celebrating in the first place. So shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, buddy, never change. Beautiful. <laughs> so uh, there, are, I've got two um, fairly practical things that don't relate necessarily okay. to stuff on the pitch that I think would would help drive up refereeing standards. The first is a respect campaign, and I think I I, I can't yeah. believe this hasn't happened, yeah. frankly, over the last few years. Um, but I think anyone who is uh, caught abusing a referee, uh, and be that be like muttering under their breath, walking away, calling them a C word, that should be an automatic yellow card. And if that means that lots of players get sent off for two yellows, and so be it. Yep. It's a short, it's a short term hit to fix that problem, and referees are suddenly then treated with some respect. That has a knock on effect of of making life easier at grassroots level as well, because you, you know referees have to start somewhere, and we want to encourage better refereeing, but we also want to encourage more referees. To, to, to get into the game this because you've then got a bigger pool to pick from. Um, and the other thing is miking them up so we can understand the decision-making process. And I think people are very critical of referees because it's difficult sometimes to tell what's going through their heads. You don't really know like the, the detail that... 
as fans, sometimes we have a sort of um, passing knowledge of, of football's rules and regulation, but we won't necessarily have the kind of the flow chart that a referee has in the head, the detailed flow chart that says, is this uh, a decision at this level? Then yes, you proceed to this decision. And it's, ha- it's happened so quickly, but then being mic'd up so you can understand as a fan what they're thinking, I think would really help with their perception um, and the complexity of the roles they're doing. I also, um, frankly, quite like the idea of having a referee in each half of, mm. of the pitch. I, I think I, I'm surprised that the fourth official isn't given uh, more license to help um, as it is, but having a referee in each half, uh, which I think was trialled uh, a tournament at some point a few years ago, I, I'm surprised we haven't seen that introduced, but I guess VAR's done away with that that need. But um, yeah, I think those two practical things would be very simple to implement and would have a, a, a big, wide-reaching effect on refereeing yeah. at grassroots level as I well. I think those are, those are two fantastic ideas, Chris. I really hate the fact that um, players get away with swearing at the referee and being abusive i don't mind it's not i don't mind swearing but it's the 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 squaring up surrounding the referee stuff really bothers me it's bullying basically it's horrible uh it's not it's yeah it's just not a nice thing to see someone having to go through frankly um yeah final question this is an interesting one this is from um russ green who is green giant uh and russ has been a listener from the very start of the extra so thank you russ for all your questions and and feedback he says thoughts on amazon potentially being the stadium sponsor nike also being considered but if you could pick a stadium sponsor who would it be and why Bardi, what do you think about amazon and who would your ideal stadium sponsor be I'm not too sure about Amazon. I would like someone who doesn't who doesn't have issues with how they treat their staff and forcing staff to work. And so I'm not, I'm not too keen on Amazon. I, I, it, it's it's difficult to pick. It's difficult to pick a company that you'd want to fully support or that has the kind of money that we need. Obviously, I've been really impressed with how Brewdog what they've been doing with the with the way they've been creating hand sanitizer yeah. and stuff like that. But they're not they're not big enough. And unfortunately, these these kind of medium sized companies aren't what we're looking for we're looking for a conglomerate um this is, this is so if we're looking at conglomerate level top level of um of sponsors then that's starbucks no uh kfc no it's ridiculous um, <laughs> mcdonald's i'd go for mcdonald's over pizza hut or domino's or anything like that so if we've got to go for one of these big conglomerates which is essentially what we're doing then um yeah mcdonald's or nike over facebook or anything else like that nathan how about you any thoughts i uh, i prefer not to speak <laughs> I feel so detached from this. To be <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's I think it is a really interesting point, and I think the re- reaction of fans to uh, inverted commas bad companies becoming sponsors or stadium sponsors or whatever, I, I I think is fascinating because actually no one's going to stop going to see Spurs because their stadium is no. sponsored by a company with, whose values I don't agree with, or or a handful of people might, but not enough to have an impact. So ultimately, it's a it's a discussion that means very little. But I mean, this is just it's the side of football that I've never liked or been particularly interested. In so I just sort of turn a blind eye to it and and do my best to ignore it, which is a really bad way of dealing with it, frankly. But um, it just makes my life easier. But these are, in, if you look across America, these are the, the, the Home Depot Stadium. The, mm. This it's a common thing that's happened in America, and that's what Spurs are holding out for. Unfortunately, there's not going there's not going to be the company that we want that has it has its values and has its ethics in line with what we want to see from a sponsor. The only thing we can ask for is it's not named something ridiculously stupid. Or no red like, logos. Or no red logos, or we're not we don't end up being called the Sports Direct Lane or uh, something ridiculous. Like Dunkin' that. We Donuts can, we can stone. Just, exactly just something that doesn't make us look like an idiot and then I'm fully on board with that In I'm talking about football manager I'm playing um, FM 2012 just because I, I just wanted to go back in time and it's play something one. and Spurs have just built their stadium they called it the Perryman Stadium which is lovely but that's not going to happen these days now that is the dream yes. name it after a Would you just call it White Hart Lane regardless Obviously. I mean we should yeah. we should of course do that yeah mm. boys it's been a pleasure it's been a long old podcast but it's been a pleasure you've been listening to The Extra Inch thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production thanks to Bardi for being Italian thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork thanks to David Lindner for our intro music you can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindner do check him out he's great, great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.